Grizz Nation's favorite outfitter is the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. And now the M Store has a brand new location in downtown Missoula. Come check out the new storefront located on the corner of Higgins and Broadway. The M Store in Missoula has been your Grizz Gear headquarters for more than 10 years, offering some of the most original University of Montana gear you'll find anywhere in the Garden City. Next time you're downtown, swing in. Come by the M Store today and wear what the Grizz wear. Or shop online at MontanaMStore.com. Montana's only daily sports talk show. Nuana is now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! Well, we finally made it. I never like wishing time away, but so happy to be here. It's state championship week across the state of Montana. Welcome in. Nuana's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. My great friend Riley Corcoran joining me, Coulter Nuana's in studio. We'll be rolling with you for the next two hours. Riley, we'll get things kicked off with the Montana football hour here, hour number one. We'll talk about the weekend that was, but more importantly, the weekend that will be, we will have state champions across the board in football by the time this week is done at the college level, at the high school level. It's been a phenomenal football season so far. High school football has been so fun this year. We have some great matchups coming down the pipe there, but it is the rivalry week, so we're going to get into a bunch of conversation about the matchups and the meaning of this Montana-Montana State football game, the 121st rendition coming at you from Bozeman, Montana on Saturday. Hour number two, we'll keep on talking rivalry. Coach Marty, uh, Marty Mornoweg will be in studio. He played for the Grizz 40-some years ago, and he played in some uh, Bobcat Grizzly football games before, and uh, now he's on the color commentary for the TV broadcast, and he'll be in the booth there in Bozeman. So we'll get some perspective on the Grizz recent two-game surge, as well as on the matchup uh, in Bozeman plus of course, we'll talk some NFL as well. That's the Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty. No time to waste today. That is your show outlook presented by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team. Wahlberg team, the official realtors of Grizz Athletics. Any and all real estate questions you might have in Western Montana, give Brent and his team a call today. What's up, dude? How you doing? I'm doing great. I, I We spent some time together earlier today and just... You know, you were fortunate to be a part of this uh, on a special week where the eyes of the state are always on this matchup, but now the eyes of the nation are here as well. And uh, I'm really happy that the state of Montana gets to be showcased. But uh, all that being said, Coulter, none of that outside noise matters. This game means so much to both of these teams. I'm already diving into the matchup. You know me. I, yeah, I'm already, yeah, yeah. I couldn't wait any longer. Well, let's talk about this. Uh, I buried the lead already <laughs> three minutes in. My journalism professors are already digging my grade. ESPN College Game Day, descending upon Bozeman, Montana on Saturday. Uh, I don't know what I think of this. And I don't, I mean, you know, you're the voice of the Grizz, so you have some ties on this side, and, uh, you know, you are part of that organization. I, I can see all different sides of this. I really can. I can see how this is a tremendous opportunity for football, uh, and our young men from this state of Montana to be on the biggest stage of college football. That said, I do have a lot of apprehension about how College Game Day is going to tell the stories uh, of these two programs. I think this game has enough hype around it already. This is not going to actually be showing the game itself. That's one misnomer. They're not picking up the game on ESPN National. They're just having a pregame show from Bozeman. I mean, more than half the people that watch this, and probably overwhelmingly more than half, aren't going to know what happened in the actual right. game itself. Uh, exactly. And Montana State as a university and Bozeman as a town has a ton of momentum. And as I always try to remind everybody, there is two sides to every single story. I think that some of the growth and momentum in Bozeman has been great. I think some of it has, quite frankly, been... Uh, Really hard to watch uh, as a, a native Montanan and, and somebody that spent my time living between uh, Bozeman and uh, Missoula for quite some time. 
a lot of the ways the Bozeman's grown has it's pushed a lot of the natives to the side and, and uh, that's unfortunate, but I don't want to go down that road. It is a huge opportunity for not only Montana, uh, Montana state, but also the state of Montana and the university of Montana as well, because I do think that even though game day will be there in Bozeman, they're going to tell the stories of both sides of this rivalry. And I think that that is the part that I think is the most exciting for both universities is to tell the history of what is one of the longest standing and fiercest rivalries in college football. Well, and I think for people that have been around it as long as we have, we take enormous pride in making sure that the way they tell the stories is accurate and that they don't forget the roots of what has made Montana great and what has made this rivalry great. You're right. I mean, being on this side of it for me, I have mixed emotions because I know how much hard work went into everything last year to kind of kick it off. And, and at the same time, it was always going to be a possibility that no matter when they came to Montana, it's a flip of the coin, right? Whether it's in Missoula or Bozeman selfishly, of course, I think everybody here on the Western side of the state would like it to be in Missoula. I've went through my 24 hours of grief and waking up this morning more on the right side of the bed with it and just hopeful that, yes, it's going to get showcased in a positive light that uh, both Grizz and Cap fans alike can, let's just say, behave on national TV first off and make this a showcase for what it's truly about. I was with President Seth Bodner today, and yeah. they're, they're already having conference calls with ESPN College Game Day to make sure they can showcase both sides of it. So from that being said, I think that your perspective, my perspective on it is we just care so much about what football has become here, what football is in this great state. And we hope that gets showcased in front of a lot of eyeballs for three hours on Saturday. I I just, uh, I'm trying to not be about, uh, to me, exposure for the state of Montana is not what I want. I don't want anybody else to move here. I'm sorry. That's just how it goes. I don't want big city living. I don't want urbanization. I don't want gentrification. I don't want any of that. I want to be able to go to the grocery store and I forgot my wallet and somebody says, oh, we'll get you next time. Like, I know that that's unrealistic and whatever. So that's the last I'll say on that exact deal. One last thing, a piece of reporting before we get into the weekend that was here uh, on the college football landscape uh, throughout the state of Montana. Uh, I had a couple sources in Bozeman that sort of gave, went through the logistics of this with me. We went through this last year as well. Game day was basically one step away from coming to Missoula last year. The way the dominoes fell from a logistics perspective and uh, a national landscape on the FBS level perspective, ultimately college game day went to Columbus, Ohio, instead of coming to Missoula, Montana. This time they said the the main factors in deciding that ESPN was going to go to Bozeman were one, the way the schedule played out. I think Arizona beating UCLA on Saturday night was certainly a factor. They also mentioned, though, that they really liked uh, the ease of accessibility in Bozeman. That's one part that, of the growth that has been uh, a little bit of a lifestyle improvement for everybody, even though you know flying is not necessarily something that's accessible to all people. But still, uh, better airport access does bring better opportunities. That's one part of it. And then they said they really like the rodeo team and they really like the teams that are involved in this, specifically the fact that Montana State is undefeated in Big Sky Conference play, averaging 45 points a game. So, uh, I mean, there you go. That's kind of the reasons why uh, College Game Day ultimately landed in Bozeman. Well, and I think, too, we got a little bit of a hint at it maybe a month ago when they started showcasing for just the slate of games on Saturday, Montana State, the longest FCS home winning streak. I think that was very yep. attractive to them as well. So, and I'm with you on the FBS picture playing a huge part of it. So if you're a Grizzly fan, you are not a fan of Michigan State or UCLA anymore because those two teams were kind of the reason Michigan State last year, UCLA this yeah, year. Right. And if you're Montana State, you're loving yourself some Arizona right now because uh, the Wildcats pulled off that shocker late Saturday night. And and from what I've heard and what I've gathered as well, Coulter, it was obviously between Bozeman and L.A. If UCLA had won, that would have been a top 10 matchup between USC and UCLA. been hard for them to pass on that. All that being said, that's kind of the dots that have been connected to uh, make it in Bozeman this week. And it's going to be a frantic week for everybody. What I think is crazy, outside of maybe the 15 minutes that you and I sat on the Inside the Den podcast earlier yeah. today, there's been no talk about the game yet. It's all been about right. game day. So I'm intrigued to see when that conversation and if that conversation shifts to the X's and the O's. Well, that's all I want to talk about now for the rest <laughs> of the Montana Football Hour. Is it is the Montana Football Hour. It is presented proudly by the Advocates 
Stockman Bank, and Blackfoot Communications. You mentioned the Inside the Den podcast, Riley. I jumped on with you again. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Blackfoot, the proud presenter of Inside the Den, and uh, Blackfoot also the digital sponsor of Grizz Athletics. Uh, I'm on there. The president's on there. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. You're part of a heavy hitter class here. let's go. President Seth Bodner, and then I got Mark Mariani on the phone. 15 awesome minutes with Mark going through the player's perspective, and maybe things that he could say now that he couldn't say as a player. Then, of course, we break down the X's and the O's, in my opinion, better than anyone else could. So, it's a, it's a great episode. It's already out right now, so make sure to go check that out, the Inside the Den podcast. We don't want to go too much farther with overshadowing any of the great high school accomplishments from over the weekend, so we'll get into some analysis of all of this tomorrow, but here's your quick-hitting high school scoreboard presented by Stockman Bank. Stockman Bank, Montana's brand of banking. The volleyball state championships, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Great job by Courtney Badbear uh, at Billings Senior Impossible task, taking over uh, a program that had had a sort of a bumper between the retirement of Jeff Carroll and then her return. She was a great player at senior. She is Cola Badbear, the uh, outstanding Montana State women's basketball player's older sister. But Courtney Badbear took over at Billings Senior and tried to sort of reignite the tradition that was the greatest dynasty in Class AA high school volleyball. Senior won 12 championships under Jeff Carroll. And uh, she got him back on track and back on top. Senior beats West in a five-set thriller to win the double-A uh, state tournament. Very cool for them. And then the rest of it, man, I don't even know. It's like you, you just rinse a repeat. Building Central champions for the third year in a row. I think they, they're they getting close to double-digit state championships in volleyball. Huntley Project, I don't know another Class B team that's ever won a state championship. <laughs> I mean, in my 15 years, I guess this is year 16, but... Holly Project's got 14 state titles in the last 18 years. That's incredible. It's cre- incredible to me, too. And we've talked about this, how the landscape, no matter what the sport is, right? Yeah. Class A, you've got Whitefish, Columbia Falls for soccer, right? Sure. Well, in volleyball, it's been the East, right? Billings Central, Huntley, yeah, yeah. Billings West, Billings Senior. I mean, it's been interesting to see how that's uh, kind of transpired. I think it's not a coincidence. I think that they come up with a lot of the same club and youth yeah. programs and stuff, and so you're getting a lot of the same training. I think those Huntley girls, I mean, Huntley's only you know 25 minutes from Billings, so you're getting to go into the city and playing in the big tournaments you growing know, up. the big suburbs of Billings, you know, <laughs> Huntley, right. Shepherd, right? That's right. And then Manhattan <laughs> Christian, uh, a repeat champion in the Class C level, so congratulations to the state volleyball championships. We will uh, catch up with some of those Coaches and players down the road. In high school football, Helena Capital outlasts Missoula Sentinel. So the Spartans' run is over. Congratulations to Dane Oliver and their guys. Like I said on Friday's show, for years and years and years, the only championship that Missoula's high school football teams were competing for were city championships. And Sentinel changed that, and they had a phenomenal run, a historic run. You know, winning a state championship for the first time since 1964 is no joke. And then going back-to-back, despite the – Unbelievable class you lost coming out of 2020. Unreal. All that said, all the credit in the world to Helena Capital. I sort of put a, a marker on them right in the preseason. And we had Kyle Mahelish lead our high school football previews, Helena Capital head coach, because I knew they were going to be damn good. And here they are. They're damn good. They've won three straight slobber knockers down the stretch here, beating their rival Helena High Bengals, taking Butte's best shot last week and winning. And then taking Sentinel's best shot, Helena Capital moves into the state title game 21-14 over Sentinel. I was going to say, it has not been easy. When you're the top dog, you're getting everybody's best For shot. Sure. I thought they were going to get really scared by Butte. I mean, when we're following those scores and Cameron Guernsey had a couple touchdowns, I'm For thinking, sure. okay, is this going to be the monumental upset? And give a lot of credit because I, I think it's even harder when you're the number one undefeated team. Everyone knows who you are. They're gunning for you. So congrats to the Bruins for making it. And Helena Capital will host the Class AA State Championship against Bozeman High. What a job by Levi Weshi and his crew. An 0-2 start? They haven't lost since. On an eight-game winning streak, they haven't lost in months. And they take care of business against Bozeman Gallatin, 28-9. I just texted with Coach Weshi today. He said, man... This might be the most proud I've ever been of a team because they really have come together, and it's uh, pretty cool. Did it surprise you that Bozeman is still here? Because we talked about it, right, with Gallatin and the shift. Was it going to happen? I think this is very important for Bozeman High because, you know, a lot of people assume, okay, Gallatin will overtake him, and that might be the end of it. No, 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 no. Bozeman still stood tall. Did it surprise you, or was it a true coin flip? Well, and, uh, you know, I I think that Bozeman's got a couple things going on. They got a, a crazy sense of belief because they're just so red hot and they found a million different ways to win. They also have one of the best offensive lines in the state, spearheaded by Everett Carr, who's headed to Montana State on a football scholarship. And uh, they got a quarterback who's just lighting it up, man. Jay Casagrande's played as good as anybody down the stretch. So Bozeman at Helena Capital for the AA state title will be a really good one. In Class A, 
It comes to an end for the Hamilton Bronx as well. 21 in a row for Hamilton. Uh, they get rolled up by Billing Central, 42-6. to Seemed like the Bronx just kind of ran out of gas, but also the Rams have been really, really good this year. Only one loss coming into the game. They still run that option style like they've been running forever, man. That's the great equalizer. And when you're rolling, you might just roll a team right out of, out of town. So 42-6, to Billing Central wins in Hamilton. And Jim Stanton, he's had a, a method of the madness for oh, years. Buddy. And I'll admit, I was surprised. I got that score flashed to me yeah. uh, during the middle of the Grizz game. I'm thinking... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, maybe a, a win, but a 42-6 to six win, yeah. that's making a statement. They're not the only team that's gotten hot in the playoffs as you go to Class B as well when you get there. Yeah, for sure. Billing Central will play at Lewistown. The Fergus County Golden Eagles, uh, they remain undefeated. They hand the Polson Pirates their one and only loss of the season. So too bad for Jarrett Wilson and the Polson Pirates. But Lewistown, they win 49-32. So they will host the Class A state championship game on Saturday. Uh, in Class B, it's Missoula Loyola at Florence because we got the Cinderella run of the century, man. Todd Hughes' squad, I mean, he was excited about his team before the year. We had him on midseason. He was so frustrated, said we're, we're close, but we're so far away. And then I don't know what clicked, but whatever clicked. Loyola only won four games during the regular season. They've won three games in the playoffs. They're in the state championship now, and they get a chance to play their rival just up the street in Florence. Pretty cool. Another Hollywood script, I think. It's so awesome, and I know we're going to get into this. It's so awesome, the matchups we have for state championship weekend. They do get a little overshadowed this week, for which sure. is another topic. But congrats to Missoula Loyola. I mean, the run to go on like that, momentum's a crazy thing in sports. I mean, Big Fork has as many guys on its roster as almost every single double-A team. Big Fork has better numbers than Class B school I've ever seen. They're undefeated. They're unbelievable. They're well-coached. All of it. Loyola goes up to Big Fork, gets a 14-6 win. Now they get to play Florence. Florence beat Jefferson 40-23. Belt plays San Ignatius for the eight-man title. Belt is just destroying people. They beat Drummond Phillipsburg 48-0. Then they beat Colbertson 38-0. And they'll play Mission, who uh, had to hold on. Michigan gets a 54-48 win over Fairview, even though they were up by six touchdowns early. So Belt plays at St. Ignatius. Uh, that's Mission uh, for the six-man title. And then your, uh, your or excuse me, the eight-man title. And then your six-man title is Broadview Levina at Big Sandy. So more on all that stuff uh, tomorrow. But let's talk about the uh, the table setter here just for a minute. I don't want to spend too much time on these last weekend's games because I want to talk about this weekend's game at the college level. But uh Full head of steam is an understatement when you come to these two teams. Uh, You you just have to wonder. I mean, the Grizz go out and beat Eastern Washington as as handily and as decisively as they've ever beat the Eagles, 63-7. Part of it is Montana's completely back on track. Their run game's absolutely rolling. Their offense looks way better with Lucas Johnson at the helm or Daniel Britt at the helm. We'll get to that in a minute. Eastern also just looked like they flat gave up on the season. I don't want to spend too much time on that element, though. Then the Cats come out, and you could tell they're trying to keep a bunch of bodies fresh. They line a receiver up at running back. They're playing their walk-on and Garrett Kuhn. They're playing Marquis Johnson at running back. Don't matter. 554 rushing yards later, 770 yards of total offense, and they beat Cal Poly 72-28. to It was like an alternative universe. They scored 52 points in the first half, and then they're trying to run out the clock, and they can't. They scored 35 and 45-yard touchdowns on the first two drives of the game, of the second half, that is, and they're playing Oh, they're, they're the last of the roster guys. It was crazy. But you have to think that one team makes a statement, another team makes a statement. They wanted everybody in the country to know both these teams are playing at a high level coming into the showdown. Extremely high level. And there's no excuse this year about, well, one team had too hard of a schedule leading up and they had to play back-to-back physical games. None of that. I think that these are two of the bottom three teams in the Big Sky Conference when you talk about Eastern Washington and Cal Poly. And the elite teams did what they were supposed to, and they made that dominant statement. And both teams, I would say, are going to go into this game relatively fresh. That's another conversation that we'll get to down the road here. But, I mean, business as usual for Montana, right? And you keyed to it. They figured something out after that third loss to Weber State with just tinkering a little bit with the running game. And Nick Osmo, he's been a revelation of what they've been able to do. And we were talking about it, and I'm kind of stealing your point on this, but Montana has been really balanced. They had been really balanced all year. This time of year, you got you got to ride who's hot. And That's Nick right. Osmo is on a run like we haven't seen in a while, and I think the Grizzlies have obviously found their feature back. The Montana Football Hour is presented in part by the Advocates. When you've been in an accident, you feel like you've lost control. With no upfront cost to talk to an advocate, there's no risk in making the first step of taking control of your life again. 
Personal injury is all the advocates do. The advocates have helped others win, and they will help you win, too. Visit online, MontanaAdvocates.com. How much of it is Nick Osmo's uh, emergence here? Because, uh, you know, it's it's there's been a dichotomy to this entire offensive resurgence for Montana. They look like they're playing better to me, and they got the quarterback back. I think those are two objectively true facts. They also played the worst, the two worst defenses I've ever seen in the Big Sky, Cal Poly and Eastern Washington. I, I couldn't wow. believe how uninterested these teams were in tackling at the point of attack. It, it was it was sort of crazy. But regardless, uh, Osmo has emerged both because of performance and necessity because they've been banged up at running back. Xavier Harris did not play on Saturday. He got knocked out in the first half against Cal Poly. Uh, Marcus Knight no longer on the team. Uh, reportedly into the transfer portal. Uh, so he's not an option anymore, obviously. And uh, then Isaiah Childs has been sort of in and out with a, a ding shoulder. And so Osmo's become the guy both out of necessity and out of performance. But what have you seen out of him? Because he's played incredibly well these last two weeks. Well, I've seen a guy that, to be quite honest, was not as confident in himself, right? And maybe was just at times relegated to the number two and the number three mindset. We saw that his freshman year. Yes, he was a contributor, but he was always behind Marcus Knight when Marcus Knight was setting all those records. And then Nick Osmo had to deal with adversity last year. I mean, just freak injuries that he had. He only played a total of six plays. And I think even this year, the mindset coming in was, okay, yeah, I'm going to be one of the guys. And he was challenged internally of, do you want to be the number one guy? And the answer is overwhelmingly yes from what he's been able to do the last couple of games. I think he's only been able to continue the, that confidence. The running, the offensive line loves to have him behind. Um, you, you look at just the, the whole makeup of their rushing game, and you can see the X's and the O's a little bit better from the offensive line side sure. of things. But I think his running style really suits Montana's offense. He's really good at cutting right back to the middle of the field, but he's so sneaky fast. fast. People don't realize this. They thought at times when Marcus Knight was more slender, you know, before he gained weight going into um, this upcoming year, that Nick Osmo was more the power back. People don't realize Nick Osmo is one of the top three quickest, fastest guys on the entire Grizzly roster. We saw that when he broke away the last couple weeks. I totally believe that. It's funny, too, because sometimes we stereotype people, and we won't (laughs) even go into all the reasons why, but Nick Osmo has an incredibly developed lower body. You can tell his lower body strength, but I've always thought that it was sort of a misnomer to characterize him as a big back. First of all, he's not that big. I mean, mean, he's 6'210 pounds. that's, That's big, but like that's not like unusually big for a Division One running back. I mean, there's other guys in the league, like Chris Jackson at Weber State's going about 240. I mean, uh, you know, there's a little, there's some guys with a little bit more uh, junk in the trunk, so to speak. <laughs> but Osmo, he's, he is. He's fast, man, he, and he's got good vision. I also think that, you know, I said this on the Inside the Den podcast, the the obsession with uh well not even the obsession but the the, uh, the desire to put all your offensive skill guys on display i think is a is a cute notion and can make you very hard to game plan for when you're doing it early in the season but by the midpoint and the end point of the year i think you got to have go to guys with third and seven you got to have a guy and a play that you're going to throw the ball to you also just got to have a running back i also think though there's a certain element where the Grizz run inside zone, man. That's what they run. That's what they're, they're they have run a zone blocking scheme. The rhythm of the running back with the line is so important. I think that the the fact that Montana was playing a bunch of running backs that all are different that should be an advantage. That, that is an advantage in certain schemes. It's, I think it's a disadvantage in an inside zone scheme. I think you got to have one guy to have the cohesiveness with the offensive line, and I think the offensive line is taking big strides. They have a lot more confidence. The scheme that they run up front is is pretty complex, just in terms of what they need for teamwork. But that's why when it clicks, it clicks. And that's why I'm so interested to see how it works against a better defense because I have seen, opponent aside, a lot of progress the last couple weeks in the Montana run game. Well, and Nick Osmo, too, has been able to utilize his strength, right? And we talk about with the cutback ability for him and the accelerating through. Once he gets through that second line of defense, how much of it, Coulter, do you think at this point in the year, I'll spin it to the positive side of things, because they were rotating so much, right? And not only that all three guys were playing, it was 
one every three series. So That's there was right. zero right. chance to get into a rhythm at all. How much of maybe the lighter workload is benefiting Nick Osmo right sure. now to where he is fresh because he's just running different than maybe someone that's had their body beat up for 10 straight games. Montana Football Hour is presented in part by Stockman Bank. Stockman Bank invites you to experience the Stockman difference as a family-owned community bank with locations throughout Montana. Stockman Bank is committed to enriching the lives of Montanans and helping communities succeed. What that means to you is your money stays in the local economy, supporting your friends and your neighbors. We're going to get into the matchups uh, between Montana and Montana State here in just a minute, but a couple quick thoughts on the cat game. Um, I, I thought it was ser- seriously. I thought it was like a, a different uni- different universe type experience <laughs> watching the cats because they come in and you see who they're playing right out the gates, and you're you're sitting here thinking, okay, they're playing Marky Johnson and Garrett Coon at running back because they want to keep their whole team fresh. And I'm th- sitting there thinking, okay, well. Maybe this won't be quite as easy as I thought it was going to be. Haven't seen Cal Poly the week before. They had really no desire to uh, be on the field. But I'm thinking, okay, it's in California. Cats aren't as good on defense as the Grizz. And uh, the uh, the way that they're going to operate here, uh, maybe maybe this will be you know one last show for Cal Poly and they can make this thing a little bit closer. I mean, good God, man. I was texting with my brother before the game. I was like, after the Grizz rushed for 412 yards against... Cal Poly. I texted my brother, over under 550 yards for the Cats on the ground next week. That was tongue-in-cheek because I didn't actually think that a team could rush for 500 yards in a football game. I have covered many a football game in my career, I, and I've covered teams for the Bobcats that had no intention of ever throwing the ball ever. I've never seen 500 yards rushing in a game. It was crazy. They had 377 yards in the first half with a backup receiver playing running back. Again, credit and all the credit in the world to the Cat Run game. Their offensive line has been the absolute surprise story of the season. I think they're the best team at the outside zone in the United States of America. All that said, man, 52 points and 377 rush yards in the first half is mind-boggling. Did Cal Poly even play defense? Did they have 11 defenders out there? It was it was actually sort of crazy because they put Marquise Johnson at running back because they wanted to take some snaps off some guys. But then they also ran a lot more of stuff on the perimeter. Cal Poly's got nothing on the perimeter. They got like a little bit in the interior, but they got nothing on the perimeter. And so it was almost like they blew them out worse than they even would have because they weren't even with, even though they were trying to not do that. It was it was wild to watch. Well, and that that goes back to your point, right? Of teams that want to run the football, how how on earth over 500 yards rushing, big plays. How, how many did they just break through that second line? And Marky, Marky Johnson rushed for 248 yards on 13 carries in the first half. He was the national player of the week. I mean, that, I that's mean, incredible stuff. At, at, at halftime, the Cats were averaging 17 yards per carry, but they also had six carries for four yards. So if you take those six for four out, they were averaging 21 and a half yards per carry in the first half. I... It was like nothing I've ever seen. Well, and just one side note, one side note. Have you ever seen teams, well, and this goes back to the Eastern point, but both of these squads, I mean, culture, they're not getting any better at all. I've never seen a team go I I watched Eastern, the first game of conference play, and I watched them on September 24th and November 12th. I I could not believe how much they regressed. I'm going to go back one more date. Go from December 4th last year, the epic playoff game in Missoula, to September when you watched them against the Cats, to last week. I mean, it is one of the sharpest declines I've ever seen of a football team. Eastern has a lot more problems than Cal Poly because Cal Poly's got problems, but Cal Poly's also got a, a, a coaching staff that's fully rebuilding. They're playing a bunch of young guys. I mean, Eastern's supposed to have multiple all-conference defensive linemen. I mean, Joshua Jerome and, and Mitchell Johnson are supposed to be all-league guys. They were all-league guys last year, and I'm not blaming anything on those guys. I think those guys are still playing hard. There's just no continuity and no desire on the defensive side of the ball. It, it was tough to watch, honestly. It, it was tough to watch. And to be quite frank, both of these teams did exactly what they were supposed to, right? Montana, Montana State. Yep. You could just tell at halftime, I would have been very curious to hear, Coach, how can Coach Vegan, because the game was already in doubt. Everyone was already looking ahead. It's more of let's not get hurt. And yet they still scored even when they weren't even trying to, it seemed like. But both teams took care of business. I think I'm ready for, with you. Let's get to the real I matchup mean, you this know, week. You know that it's going uh, well for you and real bad for the opponent when you pull a guy out of the red shirt section who's never even dressed for a college football game and he scores a 30-yard touchdown on his second touch of his life. I mean, Eli Gilman is a very, very talented young man and he's going to be a good player for the Grizzlies. But, I mean... 
Coach Houck emptied the bench, man. He They played every single guy on their entire team that was dressed for the game, and they still couldn't stop scoring, man. It was crazy to watch. New Orleans now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, in studio with me, Coulter Nuarez. All right, we wasted enough time. The key matchups for Saturday's showdown, the 121st rendition of the rivalry game between Montana and Montana State. We'll do that next. Keep it right here. New Orleans now. ESPN Radio. College Athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Coulter Nuanas here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. I think we're going to listen to a lot of Metallica this week. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. And it is the greatest week of the year. Rivalry week at the college football level, state championship week at the state high school football level. And we'll have you covered each and every weekday from 4 to 6 right here on Nuanas Now. It is the Montana Football Hour, which is how we kick off each Monday's show. Crazy how fast this football season has gone. The Montana Football Hour is presented in part by the Advocates. Remember, if you've been in an accident and you have you have people that can help you, the Advocates offer free consultation to discuss your case, and you don't pay a dime until they win your case. The Advocates know it's scary, so give them a call so they can help. Remember, you deserve an advocate. All right, let's talk about some of the matchups uh, in this game, Riley. Uh, first of all, I think it's very interesting the uh, the strengths of these teams and the weaknesses of these teams and how those two things sort of go hand-in-hand. Uh, hand. I think the number one strength of the Bobcats is their ability to run the ball with authority. The number one strength for the Grizzlies is their ability to erase the run. So we'll get to that one. That's the one I want to talk about last. The ones that I think are inter- more interesting matchups, though, have to do, I think they're not even more interesting, uh, More less strength on strength is when the Grizz have the ball. The Grizz on offense and the Cats on defense. Because the Grizz have been, uh, at times, good on offense. A couple times, a couple games this year, really good on offense. At times, completely absent on offense. The Cats have shown the ability to make big plays offensive, or defensively. They've also given up big plays in bunches defensively. Uh, so, where do you sit on this? What do you think of uh, just the Grizz offense when the when the Grizz are on offense and the Cats are on defense? Well, the the position group that I'm watching for, no doubt about it, is just the secondary and the corners primarily for the Cats against yep. the wide receivers of Montana. Because yep. going into the Cal Poly game, and again, the body of work will be one thing, but the lack of explosive plays for Montana leading up to the Eastern Washington game. And Cal Poly, I should say, was really alarming, right? The first eight games of the year. I mean, no plays over 40 yards for more than a month. No, they they had. Xavier Harris had the 60-something yard touchdown against Portland State, and then they didn't have a play over 30 yards for a whole month. When you look at plays of 25 yards or more, that's what I deemed as explosive, right? Gas plays, sure. Yep. They had two or fewer in seven straight games. And even the ones that were more than 25 yards were still only 29 yards. It was very rare that they were getting out in space. That's what college football is all about. It is all about that. And I think that Montana saw that, right? When do you feel good about your offense? When you can just bust through for 60, 70 yards and try and take advantage of it. And whether the reins were on the offense a little bit or just lack of playmaking ability, that was the biggest worry for the Montana offense. Well, and Montana's style, the way that Bobby Houck wants to play is 
you queue up these moments for massive momentum swings, and the Grizz so often do that on special teams and on defense. And I've always thought, like, I just think that the way that the Grizz could fully take the next step, and, and they still have a lot out in front of them within this season, but it's being able to slit your throat when you have those huge plays after the big defensive stop. Like, take the shot. Like, once you just got the three and out and you're rolling and you already have all the field position, take the shot. Go for the go for the jugular. Kind of like the second play of the rivalry game last year. Exactly. That didn't come after a stop, but at the same time, they need to take more of those shots. And whether that's the trust in the quarterback, I think that goes a long ways, right? When you have trust in Lucas Johnson, let it rip. And because I think the opportunities are going to be there. And to be quite frank, with how I see this game playing out, Montana is going to have to have one or two of those big plays if they can get Montana State uncomfortable. And I, I am really keen when Montana has the ball. To me, there's two areas I'm watching. Can this offensive line prove they can do it against a really stout defensive front? Now, despite Montana State struggles defensively this year, their front has been phenomenal all the way through, right? Yep. Size-wise, skill-wise, they can do it. Montana's sure. offensive line has been under the microscope for good reason, for a long time. This is when they can prove that they've got the mentality back. So if they can keep whoever is at quarterback upright, open up holes for Nick Osmo in the running game, that's key number one. And key number two, the wide receivers have to get separation and beat the secondary, quite frankly. I think that's the weak link of Montana State defensively. And I, so much of it, too, is is the, the schemes. Because I do think personnel-wise, just man for man, I think that Simeon Woodard and James Campbell and Drew Polidor and Tyrell Thomas, who's a guy who made an enormous, basically, game-sealing play in this game Years ago, it seemed like a whole different time when Tyrell Thomas was a true freshman starter for the Cats. The poor guy, if you want to read a great feature, I, well, I'm touting my own self now, but I thought he had a very interesting story. Tyrell Thomas, a kid from Compton, California, came to Montana State basically to play early. He did play early. He was a star early, and he's had just massive injuries that have sort of relegated him to a number two, but he's been there before. But man for man, talent-wise, I think the Cats have a bunch of guys who can really run. I think they got great skill at corner. I think so much of it is them having a really hard time finding sync, it being in sync with some of the new stuff they're doing coverage-wise. I also think that the Grizz, talent-wise, on the perimeter are very good. I think those guys have been underutilized. I mean, shoot, I've been screaming about this for three months. Like, get number five the ball. If Junior Bergen can go, you got to get Junior Bergen the ball. Same thing with number 14, man. Get Aaron Fonts the ball. And Mitch Roberts has proven that he can work against a variety of different types of coverages. So... I, I'm so intrigued to see which staff is willing to put their guys in in a, in a position to succeed because they have good talent at both spots. And there's one more guy that I want to go right back to you on because you know the Bobcat defense well, right? The one guy that can be a matchup problem had his best game of the season last week, and that's Cole Grossman, uh, yes. the tight end. How does that matchup play out, do you feel? How does Montana State – who does Montana State have that can maybe – counteract what Cole Grossman's skill set provides. Well, that's been the other part about uh, the the uh, massive amounts of passing yards that the Cats have given up is that I think they've had a completely redistribution of role and responsibility when it comes to their safety spots. Rylan Ort being out for the first half of the year uh, was a hit because they really expected him to be a guy. Then since he's been back, he's been still shaking off the rust, so he's still maybe a step away, but maybe he, he clicks back in you know, as a Missoula guy playing in this rivalry game. Uh, on the other side of the rivalry, uh, Jeffrey Manning is a guy that Montana attacked a lot last year. I think that's going to be another key factor. They're going to have he's going to have to come to play because uh, he he's got great ball skills and good coverage skills. He's not that willing of a tackler, and that's that was something that Montana really took advantage of last year. They really took advantage of the aggressiveness and some would say over aggressiveness of Troy Anderson, and then tried to get Jeffrey Manning to be the guy in space to really attack him. I and mean, that's what happened on that Junior Bergen touchdown, the second play of the game. They got Troy's eyes going one way. They throw it to Bergen on the backside. He outruns Manning to the pylon. Boom. Grizz are off and running on the way to a 29-10 win. So I, I do think that's a good one to, to think about, the Grizz passing game versus that Cat secondary. How about the other side of the ball, right? Because now that becomes, to me, strength on strength. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the rushing attack of Montana State, and we've seen it in this rivalry game in 2019. The Cats ran for days. I mean, they could have ran for 500 yards in that game if they wanted to just keep it going. Yep. And then last year, it was stymied at least a little bit, right? Or, or a lot. I mean, Tommy Malad, a lot of people forget, he played over 20 snaps in that game. He did. It, he, The great equalizer, right? They, uh, yeah. the, the Grizz were able to bottle him up and the rest of the run game. So 
How do you see that matchup playing out, right? It's strength on strength. You've said it, one of the best rush defenses in the entire country. against. And I'm amazed when I'm putting the board together this week how many different running backs or ball carriers Unbelievable. that Montana State has. And I'm with you. The, the offensive line for the Cats is the greatest story out of that team at all of how they've been able to sustain the success despite all of the injuries, despite everything maybe going against them, the naysayers out there, oh, they can't do this, is going to be the down year. Absolutely not. They have gotten better this year. It's hard to fathom that they have, but that that ability to run the football. So how do you diagnose? Give us the early preview of the, the cat rushing offense against the Grizz rush defense. The Montana Football Hour is presented in part by The Advocates. Remember, if you've been in an accident, you have people that can help you. You deserve an advocate. Free consultations, and they'll help defer medical bills. Chat online today at MontanaAdvocates.com or call 406-640-4444. Remember, you deserve an advocate. The uh, first point is that I think that one of the things that Brent Vegan did so well last year taking over that program was twofold. One, he made it all about the players. He made it all about the leadership that had already been established. He was not trying to step on anybody's toes. He said, Troy Anderson, Daniel Hardy, Chase Benson, this is your team. We're going to ride you guys as far as we can ride you. They also didn't do anything to screw it up. They just said, hey, we got uh, an okay quarterback, but maybe we're going to make a quarterback change. But regardless... We got an NFL receiver, we got all American running back. Let's just give goes those guys the ball over and over and over and over again. Well, it worked out, but Isaiah Fonse, I don't know what his future is gonna hold because he's just so worn down. I just don't know if he's ever gonna be back. But he also was really hurt playing in this rivalry game last week, last year, excuse me. I think that handcuffed him a little bit. I actually think one of the places where they've taken the biggest jump is not being beholden to feeding these elite players. They've just basically shown that it could be a faceless guy carrying the ball, and uh, that guy's going to have an opportunity at least to go for 100 yards. Well, and the stats prove that, right? It doesn't matter what quarterback. It doesn't matter which running back. You put it in there, and it's it's more scheme. It's more yeah. scheme, and it's. I give a lot of credit to Coach Armstrong because sure. what he has done, and you've chronicled kind of his journey a little bit, but what he has done has been impressive. I want to go to one more point with you. And well, one, one last go point ahead. on, yep, that, go on ahead. that there just because – what the Cats do better than anybody is they move people horizontally. They get by with this undersized offensive line. I shouldn't say get by. They dominate with this undersized offensive Nobody line. Nobody over 300. Th- yeah, they don't have anybody under. That should be their slogan. Nobody on the line under over 300 pounds, and we rush for 300 every game. It's the non-300-pounders paving the good. way for the 300-yard. I mean, th- it's ridiculous when you really think about it. But th- what they do is they beat you to the spot, and their backs have such good vision. So they're trying to move you horizontally instead of moving you right off the line. That, I think that works really well because they have athleticism and speed advantage against pretty much everybody across the board. Well, who's the fastest defense in the Big Sky Conference? There's no question. It's Montana. Montana. Montana's linebackers run better than any linebacking crew in the United States. I mean, Marcus Weldon and Patrick O'Connell are two of the Grizz's fastest players, and they're their linebackers. So um, I do think that that will be a huge advantage for – not a huge advantage. I think that it's going to be a, a, a potential stalemate because the way that the Cats have success is what the Grizz do – the best defensively. Stalemate, which would provide more X factors down the road. Now, this is something, and it's crazy to me because I feel breaking down this match and going through it, what has been forgotten, Coulter, is what happened in the game last year. That's How right. much does that play a part, not only in the Montana side, I think even more for the Montana State side. How much of that, because they have done everything right, and I really am. I'm giving kudos across the board to everything that they've done the last two years outside of one game. That's right. And that game happened here in Missoula, and it was it was domination. It was. Absolutely. So, with that being said, how much does that play a part leading into this matchup this weekend? How much does it play a part last year's matchup into this year's matchup? We shall discuss next. More on the Montana Football Hour. Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz. Ride with me, Coulter Duanas. Keep it right here. CSPN Radio. Bobcat fans, support both your favorite team and Montana State students. When you shop at the student and faculty-owned MSU Bookstore, your purchase lowers the price of course materials for Montana State students. Montana State is in the midst of a historic year, and the MSU Bookstore has everything you need, from jerseys to garments, t-shirts to sweatshirts. You can also find the vast selection of Bobcat gear online by visiting msubookstore.org. Help students excel and look your best in blue and gold. The MSU Bookstore is your Bobcat gear headquarters. 
ESPN Radio. Welcome back. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. College game day coming to the Gallatin Valley. Going to be at Deitch Field right across the street from the uh, Bobcat Stadium, as it were. So it'll be interesting to see how the uh, Montana State University campus transforms. But we're here for the football game more than the party. Riley Corkin, voice of the Grizz, uh, in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. Thoughts on the location. We, we were kind of brainstorming. I didn't really a bit. know where they were going to do it, man. I had a thought that maybe it was going to be like Fargo and they go on Main Street, but that would have just been a train wreck to try and probably deal with on yeah, game yeah. day. So, yeah, I, I mean, that was probably the backup option. They're going to have the... the Stadium in the background, I well, think. Well, I, I do my pregame show on K-Sky Country there in uh, Bozeman from the Town & Country Foods parking lot. and uh, That's at, the real pregame show. So, well, it sounds like that's a no-go now. We're going to have to figure out a new place to do it. <laughs> I don't know. We have too much spillover and too much crazy stuff going on. So uh, stay tuned for the announcement uh, on that. More on these matchups, though, here on the Montana Football Hour. It's presented in part by Stockman Bank. Stockman Bank has... Three dozen-plus locations around the state of Montana. They're only in Montana, and they plan on keeping it that way. Let Stockman Bank show you Montana's brand of banking today. You asked me a great question. How much does last year's 29-10 drubbing by Montana over Montana State play into uh, this game? And I think it plays into it tremendously. I think it plays in on both sides. I think that... Uh, yeah, first of all, I thought that the um, the demeanor and the attitude of uh, one Bobby Houck today at his press conference was distinctly different than every other single uh, press conference he's had this year. And I mean that in, a, in I could see that Coach Houck was both confident and comfortable. A lot of times he's cocky and brash. A lot of times he's confrontational. A lot of times he is uh, dismissive. He was none of those things today. I thought he was very complimentary, actually, of Montana State. And Coach Vegan. And Coach Vegan. And I thought that he was all... You could also tell that regardless of what he or the organization ever says, that this is a game that they've been thinking about and talking about and planning for for a really long time. They knew all about all the matchups already. They knew all about all the ways to stop the matchups. But I think that when it, then it comes down to what Coach Hawk wants all the games to be about, and that's just executing. It's not about figuring out how we're going to go about scheming this up. Nope, we know exactly what we got to do. We just got to prepare. We got to execute. I think that in itself, plus the confidence of this group of guys after last year's win, I think that favors the Grizz. I think the fact that the Cats came here and got humiliated last year is actually a huge advantage for the Cats. I think the Cat coaching staff, particularly the uh, the coordinators last year, didn't know what they were getting into. You know, I mean, there was reports out of Bozeman that they were, you know, mocking the Washington Grizzly Stadium environment, saying, hell, it's not Michigan. It's like, well, good luck, buddy. <laughs> it, might, <laughs> it might be like Michigan. It might be louder. Uh, no. I mean, for, for a Bobcat-Grizzly game, when the, the, the home team has an unbelievable jolt from the energy, but I think the away team does too because it is going to be the most raucous environment, but there is so much vitriol and hate and all the stuff that I don't like about this game. It's a real factor, though. I thought Montana State maybe underestimated that factor last year. I don't think they'll underestimate it this year, plus the fact that it's on their home field. I just think the Cat coaches are going to be a lot more well-prepared for this game than they were a year ago. I would assume so as well. It seems like that Taylor Housewright has made a huge leap from last year to this year. They understand what this matchup's all about again. And I think, and I give credit to the Grizz coaches on this, last year they did not allow Montana State to settle in. Because the second play of the game, it was lift the lid off, get yeah. the get the loudest crowd behind yeah. you, and it was on skates from there. I don't know if that's going to happen in Bobcat Stadium on Saturday. So, And it's so trivial to say whoever scores first, it's so key. Yeah. But it really is. It, it, this is a heavyweight fight. If you deliver the first roundhouse blow... You're going to be uh, favored pretty much the majority of that one as the other as the other team tries to regroup. So I think it's paramount in this game uh, to to deliver the first blow. You want us now? ESPN Radio, the Montana Football Hour, presented in part by Blackfoot Communications. Let Blackfoot Communications help you connect to more Blackfoot, the official digital sponsors of Grizz Athletics. Uh, last couple things here as we wind down on the Montana Football Hour. Um, I think that what you just said is absolutely right because I think that. From a a full team dynamic, I think that the 
The Grizz are at their best when they seize the momentum early, carry the momentum, and bury their opponent. That's the style they want to play. The Cats are at their best because they're so steady and because they don't panic. It's the won't-be-beat attitude they've been talking about all year. We know there's going to be ups and flows. We know there's going to be momentum shifts. We just want to be able to play well at the end of the game and win. Dichotomy. Because if the Grizz are carrying the momentum, you're dead if you're the Cats. So do you have the time to navigate the waters all the way through to the end? I'm not sure. But on the other hand, though, maybe you don't panic even if the Grizz have moments of seizing the momentum and you can get back into it. So X's and O's aside, I do think that the way that these two teams win games at their highest level are diametrically opposed, and that's why this is such a phenomenal matchup on Saturday. Well, Montana State, right? Besides the Oregon State game, throw that out. Have they been behind by two scores in any game this year? Well, I, I I have no ability to actually go through the scoring of the Weber State game because I oh, was I, yeah, I was I was like on my ear, uh, just completely befuddled by what was happening. I think they were down twenty four to nine in That's that game. That's a good point. That's but, a good but point. We were had, but Weber had touched the ball for like four seconds. That game's almost a throwaway <laughs> in, a, in a sense. Total anomaly. But it goes back to saying that that yeah, I mean Montana has struggled when they become predictable on offense yeah. and fall behind two scores. I feel Montana State with their style with their style. It could get tough if they become predictable. You let the linebackers pin their ears back and go, man, Coulter, we could go on for two, three hours. This is going to be a phenomenal matchup, and I do mean this in all sincerity. These are two of the, no doubt, in my opinion, top five teams in the country. I think when they are both at full strength, that these are two of the top five. I've said it all year, and I still stand by it, that at full strength, that there's six teams that could win the entire thing. And these are two of them. them. So let's enjoy it. That's what we want. 121st edition of the fiercest rivalry in the West. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz here on Nuanas Out. Last question for you, man. The the Cats win and what happens on the national playoff picture? The Grizz win and what happens? I guess start with the Grizz because if the Grizz win, can they get a seat? I guess that's the question. The Grizz will be in a conversation. I, I don't quite think they can leap all of these teams in front of them. I think that they would be in like a, eight through 10 range. It's just a matter of if they go in there and convincingly win, that might cause a conversation. Yeah. I would say probably not to get a seed at this point, just because the rest of the days, there's so many one loss teams that have favorable matchups this week, uh, winning in for Montana. I think if they lose, I've done the matchups. There'd be 10 teams for six spots and Montana would be one of those. Um, so we'll see how the game plays out there for Montana state. If they win, they're secured a top three seed, and then they're really big UC Davis fans because I, Montana State is not going to hop Sacramento State, and South Dakota State's already done. So if the Cats win and Sacramento State wins, I think Montana State's looking at the number three seed. If they win and UC Davis wins, I think the number two seed. High noon, Bobcat Stadium for the 121st time. And oh, by the way, college game day is coming to town. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz. You can go listen to the Inside the Den podcast this week and every week. Available on all your various podcast hosting platforms. You can also catch his calls on the Grizzly Radio Network. Thanks for being here, man. Absolutely. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you. More rivalry talk, plus all the way around the National Football League as well. Coach Marty, Marty Bordeweg, joins us in studio for the Monday afternoon quarterback. Next, keep it right here, ESPN Radio. I am here with Catherine DeLands of the Advocates. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know if you've been in an accident, the Advocates can surely help you. There's a lot of people out there that don't slow down for road conditions that are driving recklessly or carelessly, and we want to protect the people that have been injured because of those driver's actions. You deserve an advocate. The Advocates will deal with the insurance company and defer medical bills, so all you need to do is rest and get better. The Advocates will handle the overwhelming legal stress of your accident because you didn't deserve to be in an accident. Chat directly with a local attorney online at MontanaAdvocates.com.